I must warn you, I, I feel as though this morning uh, it might be a little bit on fire. So just, just, just know that that's where it's coming from. Anytime that I get to read from the Hebrew Bible, especially when Isaiah starts speaking, I, I don't know, I feel like it needs to be read with some flair. So this morning I'm going to ask that you read along as I read aloud from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 21 through 31. Prophet says, Have you not known... Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? And have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in. Who brings princes to naught. And makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted. Scarcely sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. When he blows upon them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. Whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal? says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts and numbers them, calling them all by name because he is great in strength, mighty in power. Not one is missing. Why why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths, will be faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk, not faint. May God bless the reading of God's holy scripture. Amen. Listen to the questions. Right there at the very beginning of this passage of Scripture, it's as if they've heard these questions before. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? And have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Right off the bat. Israel has heard this all before. Because God created the world. Underneath all of this, God is in control. 
God's rule and authority has no comparison. In the moments of this example, you might even get an interesting understanding that God even has supremacy in, over places like Babylon, whom Isaiah would be arguing against. Babylon would have had this astral God returning to heaven following an impressive victory because to them God comes back and forth, the Babylonians. But then there's this idea that we have to have this moment where, where God must sit above us and rule over us. Now I, I have issues with this understanding and the Hebrew Bible prophet is trying to make sure that the people in Israel are understanding that God is in control no matter who says they are. I am in charge. You can hear this being said quite often in our world. You can say that we are in control. You hear spoken from leaders all over our nation. You must do as I say, not as I do, is what parents say on a daily basis. But see, Isaiah is trying for them to understand in such a way that it speaks to us today. God is in control. This is not a flippant statement, you see. I hear this being used quite often in a sense that when I have nothing I can contribute to the conversation, what do I say? Well, God's in control. I don't have anything to worry about. No, 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 no. That's, that's not the way it's supposed to work. It's not to say, okay, God's in control, so therefore your voice no longer matters. Or your physical being doesn't have any effect on the world that we live in. You would not believe how many times I hear people say, well, God is in control, and it's really what they should be saying is, I just give up. I can't do it anymore. So why not just say that? That's what Isaiah is pleading to the people. Have you not known? You seem to think that you have some sort of control over your existence. You seem to think that the Babylonians that seem to be an, in, uh, enslaving you at the moment, for some reason or another, they, they happen to be uh, in charge. That they have some sort of possession over who you are. And Isaiah is pleading to them yet once again, as he does throughout the entire book. Come on, people. God is in control. Of course, I love, I love the imagery that Isaiah brings. It's as if the inhabitants are like grasshoppers. You, know, you, you can, for those of you that have ever been in a Kansas wheat field, when the grasshoppers come in in, in, in waves, it is disgusting, number one, because you can't get that smell out of your nose. And two, when they, when they, when they, they come in swarms, there's just, you can't see anything. It's just the swarms come in and you just stand there. Try to get out of the way. Isaiah knows what that looks like. He knows what swarms of grasshoppers and locusts would have been like. 
And I, and I love the imagery that I can, I can imagine because I can see it as if God is just pushing that aside. Where I can't breathe. Where I can't see anything. I, my sense of smell is completely gone. Everything that around me seems to suffocate and wipe me away. And what does God do? He wipes it away as if it's nothing. This is the imagery that Isaiah is bringing to this people. He then says to the people through Isaiah, who is my equal? Who is my equal? I just, I think sometimes we need to be reminded of that. How are we to make sense of the word of God from the Hebrew Bible when it so clearly understands itself? As a distinctive word. The challenge, you see, is to let the Hebrew Bible have its say in this world that we live in. You see, in, in that time frame, they were surrounded by what we would call polytheists. People that worshipped multiple gods. I always make the joke and the cliche that, you know, you, at that time, if you were not a, a Jew, you worshipped like 12 different things before lunch. And at lunch, you had another god that you worshipped. It might be the can of green beans, but you had a different god that you worshipped every single moment of the day. And for the Jews, they were like, well, this has got to be exhausting. We have one god. And that's it. How can you all look in this world that just all of these multiple gods and just think that this is so much simpler? And then to us, for us today... Um, yeah, it makes it really hard when we look at ourselves and say, why is this so exhausting? Worship one God, one Savior. I'm supposed to be guided by one Spirit. And yet, our worlds are torn and pulled and stretched and pushed and pulled and prodded in so many different ways that we have to ask, ask ourselves yet once again, who really is in control of our lives? Hmm. What kind of moments so these claims about the Creator in this lesson can from free us from the pettiness of our smaller world. Now, I, I feel like I preach on this maybe too often. I think maybe what I want to uh, focus in on this morning is, is understanding the power of God. And, and this idea, this imagery that Isaiah does with this God elevated in the heavens idea. This, this is a new thing in the Hebrew Bible, by the way. This idea that God is above us, looking down upon the world with dominion. This is a, this is a human understanding. But I love the fact that Isaiah does at the very end. For they shall mount up with wings like eagles. I've got to stick with that idea here just in a second. 
Several years ago, I had the opportunity to go to a minister retreat. Remember those things that we used to do? Where we'd go for a couple days and we'd listen to ministers talk or people talk. And we'd eat eh, semi-decent food. And we'd go back to our cabins and we'd spend the night in cabins together. Not having to worry about all of the sanitation and masks and all the world that we used to live in. You remember those days? Vaguely. I remember this one time in particular. It, it, changed, it changed my life. You see, most of my adult existence was, led, uh, was leading events. I, I, I don't know why. People found out early on that I had a gift for planning leadership retreats, creating a, a moment for adults to come together, come up with some consensus, and leave with some direction. That was, I feel like, some of the things that I was designed, if I believed in exactly that way, to do. But in that moment, I remember this one workshop that I got to go to, and I got to be a participant. Well, mostly. I had to still run sound. There was this professor by the name of Joey Jeter. Dr. Jeter, uh, at this time, had been a professor at um, Bright Divinity School. A lot of the adults that I grew up around knew Joey very well as uh, a, just a consummate preacher and an elder statesman. And just, just probably one of the gentlest souls I ever met. And I remember this very clearly because he, he did this image of on the wings of eagles. And this is at the, uh, at the end of his existence when um, Alzheimer's... Uh, or dementia, either one of those just does in similar things, takes away pieces of their memory. All I remember is, is that there's this mountain of a man who is probably 5'8", standing there with, in his mind, diminished capacity and realizing that he could have forgotten more in his little pinky that I will ever learn in my entire existence. And I still would look at him as a mountain. And in his diminished capacity, he, he stands in front of the group. And he reads us this passage of scripture. On the wings of eagles, he says. He said, I want you to think about not just an eagle, but let's think about red-tailed hawks. He says, you know, here in Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas, we have a lot of red-tailed hawks. And then, of course, he points at me across the room and he says, except for those weird people like Josh who are from southeastern Oklahoma, and they have bald eagles everywhere they go. He says, but I want you to think about, about red-tailed hawks especially. He says, have you ever watched how they fly? He says, they get up way high up in the sky, and they use very little energy as with their wings to project the speed that puts them at great lofty heights, high in, in the heavens. And he says, and red-tailed hawks and most birds of prey have this ability to, while they're standing in the, or flying in the sky, they stop moving and they feel the wind and they hover in the sky. Now, I know some of you have heard this analogy before, but I want you to think about this today in this moment. And as they hover, they're looking for their prey. 
And they see it way, I mean, miles and miles away, up in the sky, through clouds and through all kinds of obstacles, they'll see a mouse move through some brush. And instantaneously, that red-tailed hawk moves its head in such a way that it focuses in on it. All the while, it's hovering. Now, the red-tailed hawk has two choices. Do I exude the energy that it's going to take to fold up my wings and fly to this, and, and to literally just barrel into the, to the ground as fast as possible so I can grab that prey and maybe, maybe be able to eat for one day? Or do I hover, waiting for the next moment of another piece of food that might come in my way? And he says, and then the problem with us today as Christians is, is that a lot of us have a tendency to hover and never to go after their prey. And we just kind of stay in this momentum, allowing everything to kind of guide us. Our, our whole lives are, are laid out for us. We, we go with the wind currents. We, we don't ever necessarily take that moment and say, now is the time to strike. If the red-tailed hawk did that, it would starve to death. It makes sense to me that Isaiah would say that God will swoop them up like on the wings of eagles. It makes sense to me then to imagine God hovering, but not, God doesn't stay there, you see. Every time that we move, God does. Every time we do something, God is a part of that. So while we might be hovering, maybe the problem is, is that God is our prey. Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes God is just waiting for us to act. How do we compare the strength of those who wait for God. I remember as Joey says this, it makes it hard for me now. I'm looking at my own red-tailed hawk with Joey Jeter. And, and in that moment, he decided to pounce upon me and to put in my heart this desire to not stay hovering in the world, but to act with the power of God, you see. In that moment, I remember gaining strength as I was hovering, and it felt as if the whole world, I, at that moment, I had been hovering for the majority of my adult life. No matter how many things that I had accomplished, no matter how many things I had witnessed, in that moment, I had been gaining all of this strength by hovering, and it was at that moment precisely that I was waiting no longer. This is what Isaiah is trying to allude to us. Isaiah is trying to make us remember that even in the midst of all of our supposed power and control, Isaiah is giving us a call to faith. Not simply because God is in charge, but because we can be strengthened now to be resilient amidst the trials of our smaller earthbound worlds. 
worlds that are ultimately not our true home, and, even, and here even to make a contribution for just that moment to the common good. So who, to whom do we compare the power of God? Nothing on this globe that we live in has that much power. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.